Welcome to the Content Rocks Podcast, the show about all things content.ai, .NET, and Azure for people who want to learn more about headless technology. And now, here's your host, Brian McKeever. All right. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining once again. Welcome to the Content Rocks Podcast, the podcast for all things content.ai.net and Azure, like the intro says. I am really thrilled to once again be joined by my good friend, Andy from Luminary. Hey, Andy. Thank you. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming. This is like your fourth or fifth or sixth time. We, we lost count at this point of how many times you've been able to join us in the show, but uh, I'm glad we could make the time zone challenge work once again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for staying up late and uh, indulging me, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited because today's episode I think is very relevant. We're going to talk about the state of front end frameworks when it comes to using headless CMS like Content.ai and really a composable approach with maybe a, a mock alliance type of way of doing things. We'll get into that in a second. But we're also going to tell you all who are listening our predictions for the rest of 2023 and where we think some front-end frameworks and patterns and technologies is going to go. To be clear, though, we're, we're not going to really touch the delivery model or hosting, deployment, or, or tools that you can use to, to host and deploy your Jamstack-based site or, or, or mock-type site. It's just the front-end frameworks, right, Andy? That's what we're going to focus on, I believe. Yeah, there's no way we have time to touch that that all whole other part. Yes, absolutely. Maybe in another episode. Maybe, maybe. And also to just clarify, we we are still building a ton of traditional DXP solution sites at both Luminary and Bizstream, and we're also not going to speak to those a ton. But do know that those are great approaches. They're still very valid for very many situations that you're going to run across as an organization or as a developer. But really, the we, we happen to be sitting on a train to Vienna together. And this this idea came up of, well, wait, Andy, how how are you guys building the front-end aspects of your sites these days? And you asked the same question back to me. And we said at that point, man, this would be great to record this and have this discussion so that other people can learn from it. And that's why we're here. So there's so many different ways to do this, lots of options, especially if you're starting with content.ai from just that headless CMS API-first approach. And in fact, if you look at the page that's for developers at content.ai, the first thing you're going to see is like six or seven different technology names and places and ways to do things, right? So that means there's options, there's choices. And it's always nice to hear what other people are doing, especially really top-notch agencies like Luminary. So I think I've set it up enough at this point, and I'm just going to really get to the question, Andy. It's 2023. How is your team building these front-end frameworks when it comes to these types of sites. Thanks, Brian. I think it'll be funny too if we if we look back on this and watch this episode again in a couple of years to just see how much it's changed and uh, and whether we were right or wrong. But so this will be fun. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, as you said, for the on the traditional DXP side of things, you know, we're, we're still we're still building that that sort of straightforward HTML sort of websites. However, in this headless composable API first sort of world, uh, for us. Uh, we're, we're pretty focused on React. We do have we do have a blend. Um, over the last few years, you know, there's been a bit of a race. There was Gatsby was very popular for a while. Um, .NET uh, being essentially .NET Core um, server side applications is something we've done. Uh, Content that AI has a a very strong boilerplate and SDKs and everything for that. But um, at the moment, I'd say the uh, 
the front runner, the, the, the most powerful and flexible one that meets the most needs for most of our customers, I'd say, uh, in that sort of uh, mid to enterprise level, and especially once you head enterprise, is, is Next.js. Um, people listening have probably heard of Next.js now. Um, Certainly hope so. Using, yes, I would, I would hope so. And if you've been following sort of content that AI channels as well, um, they talk about it quite a bit. So yeah, that would be that would be our our sort of go-to stack of choice at the moment would be would be React and and Next.js. How about you guys? What are you using? Well, yeah, same same answer. We're still doing a lot of different things, and honestly, we are still doing some Gatsby because that's just the way some of these projects started, and, and we're working on them. And we're honestly happy that Gatsby is like putting up new revisions and they're making some updates to add more rendering models and things like that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. So still that, um, a little bit of Next.js, uh, a little bit of just like vanilla JavaScript actually. And that's the one I want to kind of call out in, in what Bistream is doing is the fact that there are so many options, but because we do so much stuff in Azure, this, the static web app, service and, and resource type has really spoken to us where we can put up these apps and they come with built-in Azure functions that are all pure vanilla. So you can create an Azure function with JavaScript and we're using something called Alpine.js to hydrate some of the pages that get their information from that sort of just native Azure function that's in raw JavaScript. So it's crazy that literally in the last 30 seconds, we've just mentioned probably six different ways to do this, right? Yeah. And I've, I've got more I could mention as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's look, look that that idea of, of blending things and 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 choosing, um, you don't even ha and there being multiple options, you don't even need to choose one option for your website. I mean, one of our um, most recent Next.js builds, for example, they they uh, they preference have a preference for a Microsoft stack with Azure and everything, which is very very common. I know you know a lot about Azure static web apps and things like that. However, a lot of their integrations were existing. Um, quite complex integrations, like enterprise level stuff. Um, but that's fine because um, Next.js and Mac architecture, uh, everything's API first. So there's no, there's no problem with building .NET Core web APIs that expose REST APIs. Um, the Next.js application doesn't care what, is, what language is running behind the, the, the APIs. Um, so yeah, we're, we're we're doing a bit of that as well, mixing mixing and matching as well, where where it makes sense. Um, I might I might jump on that actually. The the the, the point you made about uh, trying to sort of bring it back to the the vanilla, the the plain HTML um, and um, vanilla JavaScript, and using things like Alpine, you know, very lightweight, fast, clean. That's some of the backlash I'm seeing as well. Um, Next.js is great for us for or Nuxt as well for, for big web applications, um, complex things like the one I just mentioned um, before. It was a large airport website where they needed to have a lot of integrations, security, all that sort of stuff. But if you're building essentially a website, do you really need to build a huge React application um, with and then render it all, ship it all to the browser with megabytes of JavaScript and then rehydrate it on load just to display a web page. Um, and so there's been a bit of bit of backlash around that as well. Um, and so it's really interesting to hear that you're going for the vanilla HTML approach um, with, because one of the 
frameworks that's really um, attracted our attention recently is, is Astro. I don't know if people have heard of Astro, but astro.build is the website. Mm -hmm. And um, the idea behind this one is that it, it tries to provide some of the same um, benefits that you're talking about, you know, build in just normal HTML. You don't have to build everything as a React component and also only use JavaScript where it's required. Um, and it's, it's designed to basically smash those Google Core Web Vitals scores out of the park, um, which is something that we've seen as a, a bit of a challenge with these um, frameworks now, which are starting to get actually almost punished by Google if you use them unnecessarily. Right, and isn't that funny? Because the reason Jamstack and API first started is because we were running everything server side and it was taking yeah. too long to deliver pages. And suddenly Google started favoring the faster loading pages. Like you said, the core web vitals, the more you match to that, you ranked higher. And, and Gatsby was the first one, I think, really that took full advantage of optimizing for that. And it's crazy mm -hmm. to me that we're like back in this period of where, oh, now actually these tech options are becoming slower compared to this new thing. And it's like everything old is new and everything new is old. Is, is what I think of this exactly. stuff. The pendulum uh, swings, uh, and we've seen it. You and I have been around for long enough to have to have seen this happening, Brian. The, the push from back end to front end and back again, or pushing everything from client side to server, or you know. And now I think we're seeing everything. Everything got pushed into React, and now it's sort of being pushed back out again to to simplifying things. Um, I don't think either approach is wrong. Um, I think that's why it swings backwards and forwards. I just think there's there's um, pros and cons. There's strengths and weaknesses. That's one of the reasons I really like. Um, I, I'm not sure we haven't moved directly to to Astro. Um, obviously, we're, we're we're evaluating it, um, and it's it's developing really quickly. Um, you can see it's 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 only just hit version two um, recently, but some of the reasons, uh, some of the things they're focused on. Um, are solving those problems that were potentially introduced by these big, heavy frameworks while still trying to um, keep a lot of the benefits of what was introduced with something like a, a Next.js or Gatsby. I think it was version four when they introduced um, server-side rendering and static rendering and incremental things. So you can choose to render on the server or deliver things to the client, but also get that benefit of only delivering what the client actually actually needs. Well, let me let me pick up on that because I think that's a pro tip for any new developer to this type of architecture, this type of approach, is when you start exploring Gatsby and Next and Nuxt and a few other things, definitely pay attention and learn what we what what it means when we say like rendering mode or or type of rendering. There are multiple ones, you know, server side, client side static side or static rendering, incremental static rendering. And it feels like there are new ones that are appearing all the time. But I think when I was very first into this, I kind of skipped over that. And I just said, oh, it's a static site generator. That's all I need to worry about. And I think that's what I would tell myself now, a year, two, three years later from, from the beginning of, oh, no, no, actually do pay attention when it says rendering mode. That's kind of a big deal in my mind. Absolutely. Um, and what we've learned from doing a bunch of these projects over the last few years is there, an, even when you're just talking about which rendering mode is the best, there's a, there, there could be a few answers. Um, sure, for um, 
speed, page load, and for scalability, um, purely static rendering and delivering everything to a CDN in the edge is great. However, that is not helpful at all for your content editors when you're using a headless CMS. They don't want to publish a page and then wait for your site to build and <laughs> deploy to the edge and ask someone to flush the Cloudflare cache or something like that. You know, obviously these problems are, are definitely solvable. It's not it's not an issue with the Jamstack um, way of doing things or the Mark way of doing things. It's just you need to be aware of the the decisions you're making. You know, that solution architecture is really important. So what we'll often find is that we're running, and um, that's something where Next.js um, is, is, is really strong and where maybe Gatsby has some catching up to do is that ability to have the exact same site running in two different modes at the same time. So you might want your um, preview site in your CMS to be rendering updates, um, you know, instantly, but deal with the pages loading a bit slower each time, like taking three or four seconds to load the page, but at least you get it straight away. Whereas on the live site, uh, the pages load instantly, but it might take a minute to publish. Right. Something like that. So uh, I derailed us a little bit. Back to back to Astro. Right. I think, wh where do you see some advantages that get you excited about using Astro compared to something like Next or Gatsby? What I love about Astro is it allows you to um, if you do have a plain HTML page, you can just write plain HTML. Um, you don't have to create a whole application. Um, yet, if you do want a, uh, what they, I think what they call as an island um, of, of interactivity, um, you can absolutely ship interactive parts within the page. Now, the old guys listening to this, like us, are probably saying, hey, isn't that just the way the internet <laughs> always worked? Um, and yes. Yes, it is. I mean, and even when React first came out, um, we were only using it where, where it was required. We would have a traditional HTML page and we would put a React component in the page. Yep. Uh, then everything went full React and, and everything. So now I think it's bringing us back to that flexibility um, and that, that ability to choose where you want to go big and choose where you want to uh, keep it lightweight. That's, that's what I like the most about it. That's what I think is the most promising. Um, you should arguably be able to ship uh, a, a lightweight page in the same application, a lightweight page that has literally zero JavaScript in it that loads instantly, like, you know, loads like the google.com homepage, just bang. Yep. And yet in another area, have a fully interactive, you know, login with a my account, my details section or something running out of the same code base. Nice. Nice. Definitely something to keep an eye on, especially if you're working mm -hmm. in this space. So, you know, I think we've kind of set it up. We've talked about what we're using. We've talked about something that's new and interesting. What we want to end this episode on is our predictions for where this stuff is going to go in 2023. Like what's going to take off the most? I, I dare say who's going to win the race as, as, as we're looking at all of these different front end stacks and rendering options. So I'm going to ask you the question, Andy, you know, this is your, your one shot. And, and as you said before, maybe a couple of years from now, we're going to go back and listen to see who was right. Where do you think, front-end stack and frameworks are going for the rest of 2023? You know, I feel like a, you know, disclaimer, this is not financial advice. Um, <laughs> but, um, I think I think it's going to continue to be a race, but the race is heating up, basically. I think what we're not going to see, I don't think we're going to see one uh, clear winner and the others fall away. What I'm noticing is, you know, Astro have introduced this sort of stuff. Sure enough, um, Next.js 13.4 just got released and it's got 
um, all of a sudden they've cut the JavaScript that gets shipped right down. They're using server components so that they can just ship plain HTML, all this sort of stuff. So I think at the moment, sure, Next.js is kind of leading in my view. Gatsby maybe has fallen behind, but there's some there's some you know new hotness sneaking up. So I think we're going to continue in the future. We're going to continue to see the race heat up, but I think it's probably going to be Next.js versus someone else like um, like Astro or um, Google Remix. That might be another one to come in. But I think it's going to continue to be neck and neck, and you're going to have to, unfortunately, wait every few months. <laughs> All right, so you're not being totally definite, and I see that you know maybe you're trying to guard yourself when we look back at this, but it's fine. I'm going to I'm going to summarize your answer as you think it's an arms race between Next and Astro and maybe a, another newcomer, and that's fine because yes, my answer. Okay, my prediction is my prediction is Gatsby's going to lose. Okay. Okay. All right. That's that's fair. That's a that's. I'm going to remember that, and we're going to look back on this for sure. Okay. All right. So my answer uh, is even more of a, a Brian McKeever answer, and those that work <laughs> with me knows knows what that means. But uh, I honestly think that this year there is a gigantic change. I think something comes out in the second half of this year that nobody knows about. I'll call it the wild card option. And we will, just like 2021 – just like 2022, it'll be the new kid on the block. Who knows? Maybe that's Astro. I'm not I'm not totally sold yet, but I do think it's going to be something brand new, and I think it's going to have the magic letters of AI next to it, and it's going to be something like a co-pilot or something that just kind of builds stuff on its own to a very high level of accuracy that we haven't seen yet because that's what I really believe happens in the front-end world. There's a new JavaScript technology, something – that no one knows about, and by the end of 2023, people will be using it like crazy. I think you're right. I mean, I joke about you. You, you may be right. Um, we joke about it all the time that the entire front end world seems to be reinvented every six months, and that's only getting shorter and shorter. Um, it, you know, I dread that considering how much uh, expertise we've built up around the other platforms. But hey, it does seem to be a pattern that keeps repeating, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, but the nice thing is I think with that expertise, it will carry over because at the end of the day, we're still talking about the DOM. We're still talking about rendering HTML efficiently. Vanilla JavaScript will still be there behind the scenes. So it applies just like I think of, you know, a couple of years ago when the argument was, is jQuery relevant or not anymore? And even though we still have that discussion today, like the knowledge carried over from jQuery to Gatsby to, to Next in, in some degrees, depending on who you talk to. But I, I don't think it's completely foreign. I think that's a that's a great point, and and while and this is just one part of the bigger picture as well. So this what again, like you said at the start, we're only talking about that rendering step, getting you know we're not talking about overhauling web development completely. So the way things work now, you know, your infrastructure providers will be the same. The fact that people are using JavaScript and Node.js, that's I don't can't see that changing anytime soon. Um, you know, the HTML specification isn't going to change anytime right. soon. So. Right. You know, we're still using CSS, whether you're pre-processing it or not. Um, so, yeah, I think, but that that key step of, of rendering it out into a really high-performing website, yeah, I think we might be up for another another revolution. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think you and I could probably talk about this all day, but I know you have a full day of work next, and I know I'm looking forward to checking out for the night. So we've made our predictions we're going to come back to this. We're going to see who wins. Who knows? If you're if you're listening and you want to vote on social media, just 
shoot me a, a tweet or Andy a tweet uh, and and cast your own vote if you're listening. I'd love, or put the comment in the YouTube uh, feed or whatever, the channel for the YouTube aspect of things. Um, but I do want to thank you, Andy, for coming on, telling us a little bit about what Luminary has been doing and making your predictions. So, you know, we'll, we'll see who we'll see who's more, more correct. Yeah, yeah. I'm not feeling confident. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Brian. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks. So, everyone, this has been the latest episode of Content Rocks. We'll see you all next time.